This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. I'm Keith Conrad, and I'm the Managing Director for VDS, or Verbatim Data Services. Keith, nice to meet you, and thank you for being here. We are talking a lot this quarter about security, technology, you know, what problems arise, you know, all the things about technology and security. And so we're going to continue that conversation and dig in a little bit. And so the big question and the topic for today is how to be secure and updated with technology. And I wanted to lead with this idea of secure and security as opposed to fear and where a lot of people I think get stuck with technology is in that fear and we're being worrying about you know what's the possibilities are and doing it wrong and all of these ideas about getting hacked and maybe there's some guy in Moldova who's going to come in and you know hack their account because they do these things so let's first talk about the fear and why that is a bad place to be. Well, there's a couple of factors that, that figure into that. Certainly the law as an industry is, you know, it's very regulated. There are a lot of do's and don'ts and judges and everybody else that, that have an input into how you practice law and how your, how your firm works. So there's a reluctancy to change that, particularly with smaller firms, because, you know, there's not the staffing and there's, I think, not necessarily the awareness that they're probably more vulnerable the way they are now than by moving to a data warehouse, which is designed to prevent that. So there's a lot of things that, that when we come in, we sit down, we take a much more holistic approach to looking at how they're going to get from where they are to where they need to be and recognizing that there are, you know, there are a number of fears and, and some justified and, and others not. So we we try to come in and lay this out soup to nuts that said, you know, this is what we do. And, you know, I think when you lay it out and you show the differences and you explain, you know, that, that the way you're holding your data right now is far more vulnerable and, and things of that nature, using policies and processes you've had for 20 years, that makes you vulnerable. In what way? I want to dig into that a little bit, just because I feel like a lot of the firms I've worked with, I've had really massive hacks and and things like that happen to some of the firms I've worked with, and they don't realize this until it's we're in the middle of it. And so in what way are those ancient and outdated policies keeping them more vulnerable? Well, a lot of it has to do sometimes with the with the software they're using and the equipment that they're using. There's sort of a false sense of security and they still have, you know, six digit passwords and things that you know, there are other ways to get this done. And I think the other is is as over time people come and go. So locations and doing some of the tasks that new software will do in order to prevent that from happening, you know, changing the password, just a number of areas with your data makes you less vulnerable. You know, the old tried and true way because you don't know, you know, really it, if temporary people come in and out, you have to step it up. What's the number one thing that you see over and over and over in terms of them being vulnerable, where you know you just see it, al- you can almost predict it when you walk into a firm. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to address X. Well, I think, I think it's, there's different areas. Certainly with regard to data, you know, it's keeping it locally. 
and, and not securing it properly, both from theft and fire and anything else. And that'll get you jammed up very quickly. I think the other is certainly the comfort level that the staff has with doing it the way they've always done it. We don't put forward a necessarily a way that you're, you're not going to do it the same way, but we are going to, you know, we're going to streamline it. We're going to look at the gaps. We're going to look at duplication. We're going to try to repurpose your efforts so it could go on to from billing to matter management and others that could be more efficient and come back through. So I think it, it, usually it's the data that is very vulnerable, but I also think from a process and resource standpoint, you're also vulnerable because I, you know, as, as I always say, you go in and you ask, why are you doing it that way? It that way when I got here. That's not good. That's not a good place to be. I've seen some good quotes about that. You know, the the worst place, the worst thing you can say in terms of trying to grow any kind of a company is that's the way we've always done it. And, you know, for especially if you're a law firm owner or a partner and to have that ever be an answer without questioning it and going back and and in any subject, whether it's marketing security, billing, whatever it is. It's that's just the that's that's really just not a good answer ever. It's not a good answer to dry cleaner these days. I mean, yeah, I, you know, that's it's, right. it's, it's, it's a bad answer. But I think the other side of that coin is, is that they need to understand they they don't have to know their workflows, but they have to know where to find them so that they can pass on to the next you know paralegal coming in or outside counsel coming in so that they know how to use your system. So, I mean, right now, if, if you talk to leadership in most of these small firms, and you know, Betty, Betty knows that, or Dave, you know, that's, you don't want to be there. You can't pass it on, you're vulnerable. Right, exactly. And what happens when, not even if, if Betty gets hit by a bus, but what happens when Betty takes a vacation? Does the firm fall apart when Betty's on vacation? Because that is not a great strategy either. <laughs> well, it's not. But you have we are on Betty's back. <laughs> that's why their training is also, I mean, you, you look at updates that haven't been done because in order to get trained, they have to leave the firm and go to a hotel in Atlanta or something. You get trained with a bunch of others in this hybrid. You know that that kind of goes away with the newer with the newer systems, and and you can make sure that they're current. You can look on a dashboard and say, okay, they've done the electronic discovery piece of this of this app, so you know what they have. You can you can set up a, a let's say two three modules for every new attorney that comes on board. Make sure you know these. Don't go into our system until you know these. It gives a lot less worry, a lot more consistency. And, and, and really, the, the whole purpose is it gives you more flexibility going into, you know, the, the new areas that, you know, you're going to venture into once you have the streamlined systems to do that. Okay, so, you know, the next question that everybody always wants to know is expense. So when we talk about this fear, first of all, it's I'm not sure what's going to happen, why I need to do this and whatever. And then the next thing that comes up is I feel like this is going to just be more expensive and I don't have the budget for that. So how do you kind of address that? And then how do you talk in terms of how that has a return on that investment? Well, in two ways, you know, again, I, my background was with large firms consulting in Washington and, and the, frankly, the rates that we charge, it, there was no, there, there was no ability to bring in really outside legal consulting for any period of time for small firms. The budget's just not there. So we attacked that problem initially by, we, we work on, on performance rates. In other words, we, we take a piece of an agreed upon percentage of the value that we bring. We take what you've made and then we, what we've added to that and we take a piece of that. So the better we do, the more we make. But it takes away that, and not only the expense piece as much, but it also takes away the adversarial, you know, why are you spending so much time doing this? Because that's, you know, 
that's what you need to do. And it's going to take time. If you're paying me by the hour, you're not going to want me to do it. And so we, we did that. As far as, you know, the, the overall operating expense, is, is it's dramatic difference because uh, cloud-based legal technology removes your, really reduces anyway, your, your, your technology footprint in the office. A lot of the updates, I mean, again, you go in and you know, people are still running Windows XP and, and, you know, they haven't updated the service packs and everything else. All that is shifted to the vendor. So you don't have to worry about that. You know, you have, you don't have the expense, again, looking at Washington, where they had entire floors that were server rooms. And, and they're really running two businesses because because of the liability, you got to keep top-notch people going and you got to pay for the certifications. So the reduction on your cost and your overhead is dramatic. And then you factor in more efficiency. You factor in being able to have a, a lot of revenue pieces that you may not have retail law, for example, that you can you can begin to get into if you want to offer your clients will service and some of the other retail things that are out there. So there's there's a number of ways to look at this. And and that's what we try to present. And it and it tends to overcome some of the fear. And so how how does that I know you talk a lot about the difference between those big firms that you worked for in D.C. as opposed to these small firms. And how does that play out in terms of how you mentioned that those small firms are so much more agile? Well, they have an advantage. There's no question that, that large firms have to sit down and and it's just the nature of the beast. And they're, they're very big decisions. And you have to take all the various practice areas into account. If a small firm has the ability to be agile, they have a huge advantage because they can make these decisions. They can go in a direction. They can go after some casework. A lot of major corporations are, are jobbing out their legal services. If you want to, you can do that. And, and I think that, that part of the difference there is just the fact that you have a streamlined organization. You know, big firms have hot and cold running you know, paralegals and admins, and, and they throw people at the problem. You can't do that. So the idea is to get in early. And again, we have very defined process and you know, we interview lawyers the way they interview us because you have to be dedicated to this. And, and then when you do that, you have we have a tremendous overall approach it tells us how you practice law and take a look at where your gaps are and where we can speed things up. Again, we're in it with you. So we're not going to make the recommendations because it makes us more money. It makes us more money if we make the right recommendations. And and it makes them more money. It's a different relationship. And I think, you know, I have a law degree. We have, you know, people that understand the business. And uh, I think, you know, we try to instill that, that sort of, you know, we are part of the firm as long as we're there. And that's our role. So the next question that leads right into the next question, which is how long should people expect these types of, quote, updates, which really aren't updates, like that's not the appropriate word for it. But, you know, I'm sure you have the same thing we do when we'll get an initial inquiry and they're like, ah, it's just a quick website, just slap together, throw up my resume and whatever. You Can you have it done by next week? It's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> so, so what about for a project like what you're talking about? You come into a new firm and you're going to overhaul their systems. What's the time frame for something like that? Well, we, we start out with a one-year contract in which we will be there for one year because it's very it's it's impossible to understand from the outside you know where the focus needs to be we do a very very detailed process analysis we won't start without doing that and that can be time consuming and again going back to the if you know, you're paying me a lot of money an hour you want to get through that we don't want that situation. We have a year to work and make sure there's no impact that we've tried to take away the, the cost situation, but they're always different. I mean, maybe that's, we get a case management system 
in place and do some things for you early on. But then there is sort of the change mentality, being able to use it, getting a marketing firm that we work with to come in or we recommend, we don't work specifically with anybody and begin to take advantage of those things. And it's part of the benefit I think that we bring to the table because we've all been with a lot of different firms and, and follow the industry. So, I mean, there are certain things that we've seen that, that sort of cut out the middleman and, and, you know, we make recommendations and you know that, that you know, we're, we're making good ones because we make more money. Well, and when you do it over the course of a year, then you have the time to put some things, implement some changes and then step back and see how that works and then revise appropriately. And that's the same thing we do in our marketing plans where over the course of the year, we don't necessarily know that there's a global pandemic coming around the corner. So if we've made marketing plans at the end of 2019 and we're partway through 2020 and we're not revising our marketing plans based on what's happening in the world, we are not paying attention. <laughs> we obviously have to notice what's happening in the world and how that affects this business. Well, I, th I think that's the other side of this too, that, that we, we try to instill that, that you need to have a system that's flexible. You don't know what's coming down the road. You know, you may think you're going to go one way, you wind up going another, and you don't want to be locked into that. So there's a there's a whole point in going through your business processes in very, very deep detail. You need to know how you get from A to Z. And, and at that point, you, know, you find gaps, you'll find opportunities to, to do things, you'll find duplications. All of that gets done right up front. And, and that in itself has a huge return to the firm, just, just to be able to do that. But you know, we, we get involved. There are other things, as you said, the, the technology is really sometimes the easy part. You know, the, the process doesn't have to change. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask, you know, I know you get the same kind of question. Well, you know, why can't we just do a quick update? But I feel like that what we were just talking about kind of answers that you, you have to really get in there. And this idea that you can just sort of slap this list, lipstick on a pig and call it a day and, you know, and just say, OK, I'm just going to I only have this much money to do this. Um, my answer is always like, OK, listen, the equivalent I think we get is why can't we just do a Squarespace website? Like, why can't we just do a DIY thing? And I'm like, listen, I am not here to have that conversation. If you want to do that, you go and you try that out. And I will talk to you in six months. <laughs> when you have figured that out and you have lived that experience, call me back when you're, you're in a different headspace. <laughs> so, I mean, do you have anything I was that was I kind of answered my own question there. But I was basically asking, like, why, you know, how do you respond to these people that say, well, can't can't we just do a quick update or a refresher or just kind of refresh this software? Or, you know, do you have a kind of standard answer for that? Well, we do. I mean, it's, first of all, we tell them that, that you know, refreshing what you're currently doing isn't, isn't going to do your, your technology is probably the least impacting of what's going to cause you the problems. So updating something that doesn't work well, and, and there's just a, a, a monumental difference between an update and a transition, because the transition impacts the whole firm, and it's done very carefully so that we don't impact the business of the firm. And we make sure that we go back, as you say, test, retest, go back and look and find out you know, efficiencies, get people's input. The year gives us a chance to do that. You know, we're not under any kind of time constraint or dollar constraint. And that's the part. So I think that when, when they understand that and they understand that what they have now isn't sufficient from just so many different ways, we try to put their mind at ease how we're going to get to where it isn't. And, and that's why we do the year, but we also make sure that they understand it. And that makes so much sense. I think the idea of this hourly rate, the legal 
industry is slowly getting away from this idea because I think we've all learned the hard way or if you're on the the other side, maybe the easy way, but the hourly rate only benefits the slow worker, the slow, inefficient person who is just going to continue to get slower and slower. The person who you want to hire, who is faster, learning, getting better over time, is punished by the hourly rate. So you don't want to hire someone who's at an hourly rate. Like it just doesn't work for anyone. It's just it's kind of a dumb idea from the beginning. Well, it, there's no there's no need. There's no, no incentive for innovation. I mean, if if we have a year's agreement and we can get past some of the technical stuff in three months, then then we focus on the other aspects of transitioning the office. I mean, it's not that it goes to waste. It, we know that going in. We sit down and we say, you know, where are you focused? You know, where what is you know, your goal for the firm, you know, where are your problems? You know, how are you? Are you, you know, they, they, and they come up with a million different things. There's always something we can work on. The time doesn't go to waste. And again, we get paid on the profit increase. So if we have more time to spend on some digital marketing campaigns for them, and, and you know, that's to our benefit. So it's a question of getting it done, but not rushing because the problem really is that's, that's the kiss of death. I think to, you know, they, they have to trust what we do and I have to trust what they want. And that's the relationship. There's only a handful of us. And, and so we are, we are selective with our clients and as they are with us. And, and that's, you know, that's the relationship. I think that the quote of what you just said a minute ago is perfect. There's no incentive for innovation. If you, you know, in any industry, if you are relying on the hourly rate, that's, that's what it comes down to. Okay, so it is time for the book report. Okay. I mean, not the book report. I, I didn't <laughs> do a book review. <laughs> I'm not sure where my, I don't know where my brain is today. Um, <laughs> dog ate it, I'm sorry. So, yeah, exactly, it's just one of those weeks. So tell me, Keith, what is the book that you have to recommend today? Well, I, you know, I like a book, it's by Aaron Street, I'm sorry, the Small Law Firm Roadmaps. And I think it's a tremendous, it's value to large firms, even though it's designed for small firms, it is about planning. It is about the one thing that, that if you take away from this discussion, it is something that if it's planned and if you understand you know, what you want to do, the success rate is through the roof. But if you're going to try to you know, go where you think you need to go or, or put a fire out, it, it doesn't help you. And so you know, the, this book is, is excellent at, at hammering that home. And I think it should go to every AMLAW 10 firm just based on the way they operate sometimes. Exactly. And so Aaron Street is one of the founders of Lawyerist. And so he comes from a background of years and years and years of seeing every kind of blog post and writer and contributor to the lawyerist who talked about every part of building your firm and recognizing which parts worked and which parts parts were fluff or you know, bad ideas or or whatever, and which things have sustained over time. And so this book distills years and years and years of advice from lawyerists about how to build that firm and, and really like good tactics that you can take away and have, you know, actual actionable things to do. Exactly. Everything in there is defensible. You can go back and you can, it's sort of a Chinese menu, if you will, that, that you don't have to, you can pick you know, column A, column B, but if you, and if you have a roadmap that, that gets you there, it, it's a lot easier than trying to get to a point and say, okay, now where do we go? And, and that's common in business. It's common with the government. It's common, you know, we, we, we want to get to phase one, but you, you got to think about phase three early on. And that's, this book is excellent. Awesome. We will put that in the library and link to it. And it's available on Amazon, but also through the Lawyerist website as well. So Keith, what's one thing that you know that works? No question that transition process works, whether we do it, whoever does it. You, you, if you have an orderly process, if you're clear on what 
what you do. The business of law becomes the focus. If you're focused on that, the, the, the benefits work different degrees, but they work every time. I mean, it, it, you can't help but have them work. The only derailment there would be if you, you know, try to piece it somehow. So there's no question. <laughs> right? yeah. You, you got to transition. There's, there's no question you must transition. And if you don't do it, there's, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for small firms to compete going forward. Yeah, not just compete. I think there's all kinds of risks, but in your fear about it, you have to get through that and find a way to make a plan to make that happen. You do. And it's, it's you're going to have to sit down with somebody you trust, go through your firm. You know, as I mentioned, we've all, you know, had law degrees. So we understand what you're doing at least. And, and it's the business approach. What's best for you? How's it going to make it better? It doesn't be doing any good to try to force something down your throat. You, you'll come to that. And if we have valid arguments, then we, we win. Work it out. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Keith Conrad is the managing director of Verbatim DS, Verbatim Data Service. And this has really been valuable about how to think about technology in a way that you know, builds your firm and is a healthy, non-fear-based idea, but also in terms of, you know, what you need to consider kind of looking towards the future and what's going to build your firm and support your own legal activity and so that you can be doing your legal work and not just sitting there, like wasting your time on all the this the you know boring administrative stuff awesome thank you so much for being here that was a great conversation thanks again thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the council cast podcast be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback if you enjoyed this episode i would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform see you on the next one